I mean, I mean this, this message that I preach, God put me in this series. You all, you all been around me long enough to know I do not generally, as a rule or as a way and means of doing things in the pulpit, I generally do not preach series. And I teach series all the time on Wednesday night. If you want to hear me do series, come out on Wednesday night. It, it's a good time. We have a good study. It's a good look at the Word of God. And I, I like that. But, but I know as sure as I'm standing here, the Lord has put me in preaching through the 13th chapter of the book of Matthew, the gospel according to Matthew. It is Matthew's gospel, but, but to be more fundamentally true, it's the gospel according to Matthew. And we are in probably two of the smallest verses in this passage, 31 32. And, and when you look at them on the surface, they, they may seem like, well, man, that, that's dry. There's not much in this. It shouldn't take him long. Well, it shouldn't, but... Oh, y'all didn't laugh. I thought you'd laugh over that. It, it's not going to take me long, but, I, but, but there is so much in this. You know, one of the things that amazes me about this, and a lot of these things that we see in the Word of God, we're living it in our day. We are seeing this parable played out in this day. Now, I do need and covet your prayers more than you could ever imagine, and I'll do my best with this. I hope I don't confuse you. That is one of the prayers I have. I hope you go out a little more enlightened and, and uh, feel a little bit of understanding by the time I get through with this message. So you pray for me for just a little while if you, don't mind, if you don't mind. Verse 31. Another parable put he forth unto them, and this is Jesus, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like unto... Now, remember that phrase. I'll probably start there in a review and tell you what's going on in this chapter and why and how we can use things to understand what Jesus is teaching us from and through this chapter. It's like a grain of mustard seed which a man took and sowed in a field. You know what? I don't even like mustard. I, I really don't. I don't like the taste of it. The heat of it doesn't matter, but, but that bitter stuff and that vinegar, go. I just, don't, I just don't like it, but I like this passage of Scripture. He said that a man took and sowed in his field, which is the least of all seeds, but, what's that word, but, when it is grown, it is the greatest among the herbs and becometh a tree. What a paradox. So that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof. Father, we're thankful this morning for the privilege of being in the house of the Lord. Thankful for what our ears have heard, our hearts have felt, the fellowship that we've had with your people, the touch of the Spirit, Lord, that we've sensed in this place. And thank you, God, for your people who have gathered in this place to worship you. And I pray, God, that we might do that from our heart. If there is anybody in your lost, God, just you, you nail them, Father. You take them to the cross. You convict them of their sins. You convict them of their need of Jesus and help them to allow you to do that work of conversion, God, that makes them new creatures in Christ. If there's anybody backslidden, cold and indifferent, God, warm our souls and stir our hearts and draw us like the prodigal ever so close to you and to the right place that we ought to be in our relationship with you. Just have your own way. Lord, loosen these lips, refresh this, this, this lump of clay's mind, and Lord, use me, Father, to set forth the word in a way that will edify your people, but more than that, glorify your Son. It's in the name of Jesus I pray these things, and all God's people said, Amen. I want to talk to you today a simple, a simple subject about the parable of the mustard seed. 
this is, if I remember correctly, the third uh, parable that Jesus has given uh, to us. And uh, friend, it, 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 it comes before a very peculiar um, parable about the leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of meal. I'm going to tell you something, friend. A lot of times these parables don't mean or carry the message men has, has placed upon them. And you say, what do you mean by that preacher? Well, let me give this to you. This chapter, as I told you, I, I would refer to that phrase, the kingdom of heaven. This chapter pictures what's going on in the world, not the church, but the world is in the church. It's not of the world, but it's in the world. It pictures what's going on in the world in the absence of the king and the kingdom that was to come, has been postponed, and will yet come in a day that's yet future. Are you all with me so far? So when we look at these parables, we must, ever heard me say must, say amen, we must interpret them in the context where we find them, and the context is under the umbrella and the idea that Jesus is teaching on the mysteries, that which goes on in that period of time, that Jesus left for glory, and we will return in His revelation. So a lot's happened already. We've learned. We've learned that a man sowed seed, went and sowed seed in the world, and found out there's four different kinds of, uh, of soils, which represent four different kinds of hearts. We, we found out, too, that, uh, that a man, he planted a field of, of wheat, and he went to bed, and, and, and an enemy came by, and he sowed tares in the field. And we found out that, um, that uh, some bad things happen uh, in this world while some good things are happening. So here we come to the third parable. It is the parable of, of, the, of the mustard seed. And we're going to deal with three things. We're going to deal with the seed, we're going to deal with the tree, we're going to deal with the birds. To me, those are the three most important ingredients in this. But let me share a few things with you, if I may. Can I tell you what? This parable does not teach the growth of the church. Everybody heard me say that, say amen. Now remember, this is about what's happening in the world. Jesus sowed the seed in the field. The field is the world. We found that out in the interpretation that Jesus gave of the first parable. We even found out an explanation that Jesus gave of the, of the parable of the tares. Of that the good seed that Jesus sowed or said that that man sowed was the children of the kingdom to where the seed in the first parable was the word of God. Are we clear on that? But here's the first parable we have no interpretation of. So here's what we got to do. We've got to take what Jesus has already given us and apply it to this parable. In other words, we've got to do what the Word of God says. We need to compare spiritual things with spiritual things. And I want you to know, friend, again, it does not teach that the church is going to convert the world and the church is going to grow so big that everybody in the world comes and abides on its, on its, on its branches and lives under its shadows. Watch me, everybody. That's not what this is talking about. Now, there's something that's going to grow out of this mustard seed where that does manifest itself, but it's not maybe what you think and maybe what a lot of people think uh, today. This parable, right, everybody ready for this? This parable teaches 
unnatural growth. I'm talking about a mustard seed becoming a tree. And I'll say more about it in just a little bit. But when you get down to it, that's exactly what this parable is teaching. Now, the mustard is a, is a herb or a herb. Whichever one you want to call it, both of them is correct. I, I do believe. And I'll say more about that in just a little bit. But here's what I do believe this, this shows. I believe it shows the outward evidence of what's going on. Whereas the meal and the leaven in the meal shows the internal workings. One is a manifestation of what's going on on the inside. And that will become more clear as we look at the next parable next week. We're going to see birds. Let me tell you, according to the Word of God, they're dirty birds. They, they are dirty. You say, how do you get that? Preacher, well, we'll see. But let me tell you now, so I can repeat it again in a few minutes. Jesus said when the, when the seed is sown and it falls on stony grounds, the birds come and, and snatch it away. They're dirty birds. And when we begin to look at this, friend, listen, it's a sad thing to think about all that I'm telling you about. But nonetheless, it's true. Can I tell you what? Look, if we look at these birds for a minute. Do y'all know the church has become a harboring place of all kinds of evil things, things that, that are not even Christian, and yet they fall under the umbrella of Christendom? I hate that word. You ever heard the, the word clergy? You ever heard that word? Clergy parking. C, C L E R G E Y. Is that how? C L E R G Y, G E Y, G E Y. See, it's even got a soup, stupid spelling. You know what I'm saying? I never will forget when I was coming over to the C A M C area and getting a, a parking pass, which I really appreciated. That you know they want to know if I was in the clergy. I come from Boone County. I said what? I didn't have any idea what the clergy was. You hear me? I, I don't like the word clergy. I know what it's talking about referring to. I don't like the word Christendom. But you know what that means? It means the whole umbrella of everything that falls underneath it that is, that is referred to as Christian. Now let me tell you something. Just because it's under the umbrella of Christendom, doesn't mean that it's all Christian. Y'all got that, don't you? I, I'm going to give y'all a, uh, what do you call it, a parable maybe? Or a, I don't know what it's called right off. I know, but I don't know. There is a church within the church that is the church. Think that through. Look, friend, that, that there's a big old thing here in this world. Hey, let me just put it in simple terms. Everybody says they're Christian. Ain't. Not everybody carries a Bible under their arm says they're a preacher. Is. Not everybody goes to church and saved and on their way to heaven. There's a lot of dirty birds in the church. That's pretty clear, isn't it? How true that that is. How true that that is. You, can I tell you what the greatest danger of our day is? And folks, listen, we're, we're neck deep in it. It's deception. You know the greatest danger that there is today is for something that is almost true to be spoken as true. It sounds good. It feels good. People accept it without question. But it's not truth. It's almost truth. That's one of the most dangerous things that I know anything uh, that, that, that is present 
in our world today. You know there are a lot of deceitful people in the church world today. If you're all aware of that, say amen. Listen, I OD'd almost on, on preaching yesterday coming up the road. And I'm, I, hey, you know what I heard? I heard some things I wish I hadn't, some things that I, I, I needed to hear. There's some good preaching out there. But I'm telling you, what's the truth? There's some stuff that makes no sense at all. You know what I want to stick with till he comes and till I go? I'm going to stick at that book. Man, oh man, oh man. And I can't go beyond that. And the Lord just shut my mouth just as sure as I'm standing here. And some of y'all ought to sitting there thinking, we should do a little more of that, amen? But there's a lot of people, friend, that do not believe the basic fundamentals of truth and yet they have tremendous followings in our world today. I, I, I'm, I'm going to call one of them out. And I could call several, but Joe Osteen's one of them. Hey, I'm going to tell you all something. No pastor ought to smile all the time. There's something wrong if he does. You hear me? There's something real wrong if he does. And listen, listen, going to church isn't about you. It's about Jesus. It's about worshiping God the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ, who died so that we could be redeemed by the grace of God. Now, we get good out of it. How many of y'all enjoy going to church? Say amen. How many of you get blessed when you come? Say amen. How many of you feel better after you leave here when you come? Say amen. Hey, but look, come to church. We come to worship. And that's not us, Him. I hope you feel good, but I'm not here to make you feel good. Matter of fact, if I do my job sometime, you ought to leave here feeling like a, like, like a dog's been caught in the, in the hen house eating chickens. Now, that's exactly right. I know that's not popular in our day, but a man told me, I got one of these down better than the other three, other two. A man told me when I first started preaching, he said, son, if you don't make them mad, glad, or sad, he said, you're not doing your business. Amen. I've got a couple of them down pretty good, you hear me? Look, I want you to feel good, but you're not here for me to build your stinking self-esteem. And you're not God. There's somebody higher than you. You've got the privilege to make your decisions and decide. But I'm here to tell you, friend, listen, Christianity is about Christ. He's called us into it. There's a lot of things going on in our world today. Man, listen. Look, it, it, it has caused, it has, it has transformed the church into something that God did not intend for it to become. Say amen right there. And that's a part of what this parable, I am sure of it, depicts as we look at it. You see, we're, we're living in very deceitful times. In fact, book of 2 Timothy chapter uh, 3, verse 13 said, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. Hey, look up here and listen to me. I, 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 look, I say this with a tongue-in-cheek. Everybody heard me say that, say amen. There's something about me, Josh. You, you hold your breath, get your big deep breath. You and Greg are going to pass out. There's part of me that wishes I were a prosperity gospel preacher. You say, what do you mean, preacher? Well, that's happy, healthy, and wealthy. You, can, you know you can have anything and everything you want. 
You have all the money you want, all the health you want, all the blessings you want, all the benefits you want. You never have any sickness. You never have any problems. You never have any issues. You got power over the devil. You can rebuke sin. Yeah, we can. You can rebuke sickness. You can be all these things. Feel good, feel good, feel good. Wouldn't it be good to have that kind of message? Now listen, our message really, when you thrash it out, is the prosperity gospel. But not the way Joe Osteen and T.D. Jake and Paula White and, and uh, who's that other woman has got a butch cut almost? She's real popular. Joyce Meyer, shame on y'all for knowing that. No, I'm just kidding. It's, I mean, I mean, I don't. Me and Josh, we don't have that kind of message. We have the truth of the Word of God. If I didn't have the Bible, I couldn't be. I'd be much waste of time to get up here in front of you. I don't have anything. And I'm telling you what, I was listening. I was listening to. Um, there's a Kenneth Copeland. What's the other idiot's name? I mean, he's he's known real much for faith healing and all of this. There was a guy I came up to him. I was watching it on YouTube and driving at the same time. Y'all go figure how I did that. But, but there was a guy that came to him in a wheelchair. And he began to, you know, pray over and said, You're healed, brother. You're healed. The man turned over in a wheelchair. And then he was saying, He's all right. He's all right. He was, fell out of the wheelchair laying there to help him get up. And people believe because this man who calls himself a preacher, preaching the prosperity gospel, that man was all right that had to be wheeled out in a wheelchair. You don't know that you're healed yet, but you're healed. Now listen to me. Listen, people believe that. People, people believe. You may not like what I preach, but bless God, I want you to rest assured that I'll do my best to tell you the truth whether you like it or not. See, it's not my responsibility to get you to like what I preach. I'm just required to preach what God calls me to preach. You see, look, whether you all know it or not, men behind the scenes know how we struggle and seek and pray and, and, and do all that we can to prepare to find God's will and then to do the right thing with God's Word. It's quite a laborious task. Seeking God's face. Have I heard you right? Lord, I know how this affects so-and-so, and I know this one won't like it. And I know, Lord, that's going to be hard on them. And I know, Lord, you know what? I mean? You've got to work through all of this. And you find up saying, look, the Lord will say, I'm the only one that matters, so preach. So there's a part of me like to please everybody. Our church would grow like that. Listen to me, friend. You can grow a church on hot dogs and hamburgers, but I want to build a church. And the only way you can build a church is on this book. That's good right there. If I don't say anything else worth beans this morning, that's good right there. There's a lot of deception going on in this world. We're living in deceiving times. And people are saying, and I, I would to God this were true, but I can't see it. I know the prophecy of Joel. I know that he said in the last days, God will pour out his spirit upon mankind. The young men shall dream dreams. The old men shall see vision. All of these things. But it's not for the end of the church age as we are a part of it. There's going to be happens after the church is gone there's going to be a tribulation and end of that I believe God's going to pour his spirit out on his people then but I'm telling you friend listen the church listen the church this whole thing of Christendom is going to end in apostasy the word of God proclaims it I need more help than one right 
I can't help it. That's what the Word of God says. We're, we're dealing with dispensational truth on Wednesday night. And all seven dispensations, all seven dispensations end in rebellion of man against God. In other words, I could say they all end in some degree of apostasy. But the church age and the Laodicean church, which will go into the tribulation after the church has gone up, it's going to end in the greatest apostasy known to man. According to the Word of God. 2 Thessalonians 2. You don't believe me, you don't know it, that's what you can read it. But let me read something to you, ma'am, to the name of G. Campbell Morgan. Wrote a long time ago, and then I'll move on to my message and I'll get to it really, really quick. Look, there's so much of 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 the world in the church that in many places it's hard to tell the difference between the world and the church. The church has become so worldly that you can't separate it. The world has become so churchy that you can't hardly separate it. And God, great, you didn't know what I was preaching this morning, did you? The Lord did, man. Listen, God expects there to be a DMZ in our life. The DMZ, if I've got that right, separates North Korea from South Korea. It is a line that is a clear mark of, of separation between the North, of communism, the South, which, which I don't know what are. I guess they're communists too, though, aren't they? No, they're democratic. Are they democratic? All right, good deal. I was thinking I was right, and I thought, no, am I wrong? But there's a clear line of demarcation is what I'm saying. Newsflash, we're in the world as believers, but we're not to be of the world. There's to be separation. There's to be personal sanctification. There's to be holy living, whether we like it or not. One of these days, listen to me, oh, please listen. When we stand before God in judgment, we'll be happy that we were. So let me, let look. Am I supposed to say that or not, Lord? You see, this is what gets me in, my tra- in trouble. See, it's my belief that, that, that the music, uh, the, the, the conduct, the dress, the behavior in the church ought to be distinctively Christian. Thank you all. I believe that. I believe He didn't call us to be the same. He called us to be different. If I read my book right, He said, come out from among the world doesn't mean we can't enjoy life. Listen, if we're saved, we ought to enjoy life more than anybody else. I wanted to quote this all morning in, in the Sunday school class. God has given us all things richly to enjoy. If you're married, and hey, Sean, look at me. Enjoy your wife to the fullest. Catherine, do your best with him, all right? I'm just kidding. You enjoy him to the fullest. Don't hold back. Do you understand? That goes for everybody else. If God's given you a friend, enjoy them. If He's given you the ability to have some kind of a hobby. I don't know what that is. I'm a pastor. If you've got a hobby, enjoy it to the fullest. Do you understand what I'm saying? God wants us to be happy people, but holy people. Let me read you... I, i got to get through this. There's no preaching tonight, or at least there's not any schedule. Let me put it that way with the program. G. Campbell Morgan wrote this. Now listen to this, folks. Let's get serious about this. He said, some seminaries are teaching preachers in training how to speak in churches without using Scripture. 
Now, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, D. Lloyd-Jones, is a great man of theology, a great preacher from England. He said, instead of a spirit-filled unction, produce proclamation of thus saith the Lord, there's a little drama played out on the Lord's day, followed by lattes. They asked me when we were building this church, where are you going to put the coffee bar? I said, we're a church, we're not Starbucks. God made kitchens for you to drink your coffee in. Not the house of God. I don't mind fellowship. I love fellowship. Lattes for people with itching ears, wanting nothing more but to feel good about themselves and to find a way to increase their self-esteem. He says, hogwash. I like that. You know what we need? We need men of God that will thunder the Word of God and declare whether you like it or not, Thus saith the Lord! That's what we need. So let's look at the prayer really quick in closing. We're going to look at the seed. Now, now according to what Jesus has already told us in the parables that He's already explained, the seed is the Word of God. In the second parable, the seed is the sons of the kingdom. That is what the Word of God produces. It's a natural progression. The field is the world. It's planet earth. It's terra firma. Nothing's going to change that. That's exactly what it is all the way through in all the parables that he mentions the world or the soil or where the seed's sown. Are you all with me? That seed is a mustard seed. When we get here, now to be honest with you, this is where commentators and preachers, and even where I've struggled on this. If you remember, I said we're talking about Christendom, but under that dome of Christendom comes the church. And out of the seed of the Word of God being sown, tear, the, the wheat, the sons of God are, 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 are planted and they grow up sons of the kingdom. Hey, listen, we're part of that. We're part of that which the Word of God produces if we're saved and on our way to heaven. Can y'all get that? Do you agree with that? So to some degree, we see the church in the seed. We see the church in the potential of the seed. It's pretty amazing, this little seed. If I had several of them in the palm of my hand and Tim would, would focus right on this, you could barely see them. It'd, it'd be a pretty amazing uh, thing to put those mustard seeds in there. And yet, there was a man that came back from a trip to the Holy Land. He had brought with him mustard seeds and dirt. When he got to the customs agents here in the United States, they said, have you got anything to claim? He said, I've got seeds and we have got dirt. Long story short, because of time's sake, the, the, the customs agent allowed him to keep the dirt because he said, I'm going to take it home, put it in a bottle and cork it. The guy said, but I can't let you have the seeds. I can't let you bring them in. He said, well, here's why I want them. It's a great illustration. I'm going to preach. And all he said, I can't let you bring them in. He said, well, can you tell me why? He said, I certainly can. And see, this blessed me. This blessed me. He said, if I let you let one seed through and it gets planted, you'd be surprised how that multiplies. 
That stuff would grow and more. See, I get excited about that. And that's where I'll end my message here in a little bit. So I can't give you a whole lot of it up. But can I tell you, that grain of mustard seed has so much potential that none of us understand it. He said, if you have got faith the size of a grain of mustard seed, you can move mountains. It has the potential to multiply has the potential uh, to, to grow. And can I tell you, the gospel is gone pretty much to all the world, right? I mean, look at what the Catholic Church has done. Pretty amazing stuff, right? For the wrong reasons, right? I, I mean, you, you can't find hardly a place on planet Earth where the Catholic Church hadn't gone. Am I right? I mean, I mean, I mean, God, there is, a, there is a part of this about the seed that is a mustard seed that is a plant. It is a shrub. Listen, it's not supposed to be a tree. It's a shrub. It can grow anywhere from three to, I've read, as much as 20 foot tall, but it's still a shrub. Are y'all with me? So the seed is a remarkable thing. There needs to be more said to it and about it that, that, that I'm going to. But, I, but I've got to move on. It's because the Lord says I've got to move on. But I'm going to tell you this. There, there are at least three kinds of mustard seed. There's a, a white, a black, and a brown. And the best I can figure out, the closest uh, type would be the black mustard seed that turns into something that is 12, 15 to 20 feet tall. But it's still a shrub. It's still a plant. But here, this one becomes the what? See, the, I, I, my mind has been going, you ever get a headache and your head go, boom, boom, boom. My head's been about to explode over this. I've saw things in, the, I mean, I talked to Joe, how long did I talk to you last night trying to, get some help and he gave me some good help and I talked to Debbie and I've talked to the Lord hey I, I, there, there's something about this that just has got a hold of me this, this seed friend and the potential that it has God put that potential in that seed no botanist can make a seed that can, contains the germ of life friend. and put it in the ground and it'll do what God intended for it to it's a little seed Put it in the ground, cover it up, kind of forget about it. Working kind of secretly does something amazing. Look, if you will, at the, what's the next one on my list? It is the birds. Now look, this mustard seed, I'm going to have to go back to the tree, not the birds. I'll get the birds last. This mustard seed is supposed to be a shrub and it turns into a bush. My question is how did it do that? God didn't intend for it to do that. Are y'all with me? Nobody is. I mean the best I can tell, I'm telling you, I've struggled with this. I've struggled with this. I'm even honest enough to, to tell you that I've read about the three different kind of mustard seeds. One of them becomes three to fifteen feet twenty tall, but it's not a tree. Even when it has that height, it's not a tree. So how did it become a tree? How, how did that become something God did not intend for it to? If you go back and look at, if you go back and look in the book of, of Daniel, 
to, to prove to you about what's going on, or at least give you an illustration. Chapter 4 of the book of Daniel. He had a dream. Y'all remember this? He had a dream about a tree that got cut down. But before it got cut down, there was all kinds of, all kinds of birds that come and lodge themselves under that tree. Now look, that was a picture of Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom that went out into all the world. And the trees were the, or, or the, the birds or the, the nations, the people of those nations that come and benefited by, by him being the king. God set him up. God gave him that. God, God allowed him to be that kind of a king. But now let's go to the birds. The birds came and lodged in this. Go back with me to kind of prove this out. If, if you will, in, uh, in verse, in, in the same chapter, uh, in verse 20, no, in verse, well, where is it at? There it is in verse 19. And when one heareth the word of the kingdom, understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one, I believe Luke tells us it's Satan, and catches away that which was sown in his heart. This is the seed which this is he which received the seed by the wayside. The birds, listen now, are a picture of something foul. Oh, y'all should have liked that. Deanna Arnett got it. She knew where I was going, didn't you? Not F-O-W-L, F-O-U-L. That was pretty good. That come from heaven, so you know it was good. I mean, they were a picture of the enemy of the gospel. They were a picture of the man who sowed tares in the field after the man had sown wheat in the field. They came and plucked away the seed stole away the seed. But look, these birds now have found them a place, a place, friend, to where they are predominant in the tree. Are y'all getting this? Now see this, this worries me. They went from pluckers to finding them a place. And can I tell you, friend, they're definitely a problem. That's the most alliteration you're going to get in this message, by the way. They're dirty birds. Now, how did this seed... Here, I'm stuck on this. I could stay right here the whole rest of the message, but I'm, I'm going to wind it up right now. How did that tree or bush, that little shrub, that, 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 that little seed that grows a little bush-like thing that has beautiful yellow flowers on it that turns into a seed pod. How did it become a tree? What, how did that process take place? Uh, it, it mesmerizes me. It, it, it just, I'd like to know what the key to that is, and I don't know it. If somebody's got it, you can stand up and tell us now or tell me before we leave, but I know some way or another it did because here's one of here's 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 what I'm thinking. Because of these birds and because because of what they were doing on the inside of it, it grew to something of a proportion God never intended it to grow. 
Can I tell you what's making church grow like it is? Can, can I tell you Jesus says, enter into straight gate for broad is the way, wide is the gate, and many there be that enter in that, but straight is the gate, narrow is the way that leadeth to life eternal, and few there be. Y'all remember that verse? Y'all remember Jesus said, my what flock? My little flock. Now don't take me wrong, Jesus wants everybody to be saved. He sent, uh, God sent His Son to the world seeking to save that which is lost. But I'm going to tell you what, I believe these dirty birds got in under this tree and some way or another began to affect it to where it began to change and transform into something God did not intend for it to become. Do you all know that there are a lot of personality cults in Christianity today? Do y'all know that? Do y'all know that there are speakers and orators way far better with ability than what T.K. Price has? Do y'all know that? I can name them. There's a man by the name of Stephen Furtick. I think he's a heretic. I really do. I believe he's wrong about so many things. He is a prosperity gospel preacher, is he not, John? I think he's a dangerous man. But, but listen, I, I'll say he's handsome. He's eloquent in his, in his presentation. He has a great manner about him. It's amazing. But I'll tell you what. Do y'all, y'all know we ought not to choose our pastors on whether or not they have hair? But do y'all know that there was a... Uh, there was a, a study done, and one of the questions was asked, if you had a man that was qualified and had a, had, a, uh, had a degree in theology and, you know, had a touch of God on him, but he was bald as opposed to a man that had hair and didn't have quite the qualifications that this other man, Dad, who would you rather have for pastor? Guess which one they chose? That's how shallow we are. Are y'all with me? Look. These parables show us the degradation of what's going on during this time. Beth, if you're going to play, come play. It shows us a progression. All of these are related together. And it's going to end in the parable of the dragnet where the good fish and the bad fish are drawn. And a judgment's going to take place. Just like he said with the wheat and the tares. Let them both grow until the end of the world. The wheat will be gathered into the barn. The tares will be gathered into bundles to be burned. God's going to take care of all of this. But here's what I want to tell you. Two things and I'll quit. Number one, we ought to be aware of the hour that we live in. We ought to be aware of the danger that is around us abundantly. The last thing I'm going to say is we ought not to despise maybe how seemingly, quote, insignificant, unquote, we feel like. Would you ever feel like that? Boy, I do all the time. I mean, I mean, but can I tell y'all something? Roxalana still hasn't reached its potential. It hasn't reached the place that I still have visions for it. But look and listen, if we never get to where that I think that it could be, I'm not diminishing what I know God is doing. It 
may not be, and, and don't take this wrong, I don't compare myself with other preachers and other churches. If y'all heard me say that, say amen. They that do that, the Bible says, are not wise. I don't diminish what we're doing here. Not, not at all. I thank God for it. I'm aware of it. I'm happy of it. I, I'm telling you, I, I just appreciate what God is doing. But as a pastor, I want more. I'm pleased, but not satisfied. But we've got something, friend, that's changing things. We, we may not have, quote, a mega church. I don't know that I'd want one, to be honest with you. How, how do you minister, you know, really be a pastor to that kind of congregation? I don't know. I might like to try it out sometime. I'm not against it. Everybody understand. I'm not against that. God didn't ordain being small. That's not what I'm saying. He, that, that's, please don't take any of this out of the context that I'm trying to present it here. But we're seeing things unfold according to the Word of God, how He told us. But don't forget the power that God has given us. The power that God has given you. If you've got a class three, do the best with them every Sunday that you can. If God's given you some ministry here at this church, I don't care if it's picking up paper. You, you do it the best that you can. You hear me? It's important. I, I don't care who you are, what it is. You say, preacher, all I do is come and make sure gravity doesn't cut loose one of these chairs. Do it the best you can. You're not insignificant. You're important. The potential that you possess, if God just simply lets it break forth, is phenomenal. Are you understanding what I'm trying to say? We don't have long in being what God's called us to, doing what God's made us for. So let's do the best we can. Father, we're thankful.